1: Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's favorite vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly.
0: everybody it's uh time again for the three questions with andy richter i'm andy richter and uh, my guest today is a very very funny talented uh wonderful performer who's in a new show now uh you've seen her you've loved her uh, it's sashir Zamata. hello sashir how Zimata. are you zamada i'm sorry that's all right i'm sorry now zamada is your middle name right
2: this is correct yeah yes. yeah
0: because i because when i I did, you know, the the limited research that I do because I do a terribly short attention span. Um, <laughs> I I saw that your folks had a different last name, and I was like, wait, what happened? And then I realized, oh, it's your middle name.
2: Yeah, yeah, Zamena is my also my grandma's middle name, and oh, okay. so it's been passed down. But yeah, my last name's more, uh-huh. and so sheers Zamena just sounded more exciting to me. Honestly, there's no- <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more than that.
0: <laughs> it just- well, it also it also
2: keeps people
0: I'm you know it's a nice barrier in you know in case you get freaks following you you know what I mean?
2: Yeah I think so it's nice to have a just a different name that it's not so easy to find me. Right. You
0: know? <laughs> right. I'm Paul Andrew Richter and my mm-hmm. mother just always called me Andy. You know, yeah. just like that's what from when I was a baby. But it's really been good because uh like no, well not for a while, thank God, but when bill collectors used to call uh, and they asked for Paul, I would know like, uh, oh, he's not here. This
2: mm-hmm. is this is not mm-hmm.
0: Paul. I I'm, right, right, right. Yeah. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Paul owes you money. Andy yeah. does not. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. If you find that fucker, let me know. He owes me <laughs> money too. <laughs> And Sashir, tell uh, tell people about the origin of your first name.
2: My first name is from Star Trek. My parents are Trekkies, and they were watching an episode of Star Trek. Captain Kirk was flirting with the alien princess, as he does. Sure. And he handed her a flower, and she goes, "Oh, we have something like this on my planet, except it's made out of crystal, and it's called Sashir." And my parents loved it immediately. Wrote it down. Um, my mom, I didn't know till later that my parents were drunk. They were like on a wine tour (laughs) when this happened.
3: (laughs) Oh, that's great. So
2: I'm sure they were like, this is amazing. You know? (laughs) And also my, my parents spelled it S-A-S-H-E-E-R. And then my mom found the script that the episode script and found that it was spelled like S-A-S-H-I-R or something like that. There was a different spelling. And she sent it to me and was like, would you like to... Change the spelling of your name, and I was like, I, I'm 20. You like, it's way too late. Like, I've lived a full life with this s- spelling. I can't yeah, just yeah. change it now, right?
0: <laughs> and also having to spell it out for people probably too. Uh, you know, like, yeah, I'd be like, sorry. Every, now it's yeah.
2: now it's the Ir. Like, yeah, it's not yeah. even Just use a different name completely. Like, it's the same name, just spelled slightly different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you could have been named Tribble. Or something like that. Oh that my gosh, been. yeah. 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 <laughs> or Romulan. Romulan more.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Oh, gosh. My dad would joke that he would speak, that he could speak Vulcan. And maybe he could have, but I just was like, oh, I guess Vulcan is like a different language that people could speak. I mean, and I guess Trekkies could speak it. Because yes. I guess it is it is a language that you could speak. But uh, it's funny because when my parents split and my mom was like, yeah, we had communication issues. And I was like, "Ah, oh, because he... Spoke Vulcan all the time. <laughs> that was the problem. He needed to speak English more.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the The first sitcom I did when I was out here, or when I came out here, was in at Paramount, and they were still shooting uh, the 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 one that I think Kate Mulgrew wasn't Kate Mulgrew like the captain on one of them.
2: Uh,
0: I don't know. You, okay. I should ask your parents. I, I'm sorry. Kind of,
2: yeah, truly. Yeah, I, I kind of stopped <laughs> paying attention after Next Generation. Honestly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. That's the. Uh, but they, um, they still were shooting. And it, so I always got to see, like, Klingon smoking cigarettes and talking on cell phones, which was just <laughs> That's like. That's so funny. Oh, it's, it's like one of the things about working in this business that I still just love, you know. Yeah, and seeing, just, seeing
2: the curtain pulled.
0: Well, and just, yeah, it just makes it feel like you're in, uh, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, the chase scene from Pee Wee is about to break out.
2: Yeah, I used to work at Disney World. Uh, uh-huh. I went there in college, and I was friends with, you're not supposed to say that you were a character because the characters are the characters. So I was friends with Pluto. Oh, really? And Eeyore and Mrs. Incredible. I had a panic attack in the Buzz Lightyear costume. Um, so you're not <laughs> friends with him. I'm not, actually enemies with Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I have a vendetta against him. Uh, but it was interesting, like, you know, all the work that's that's surrounded around keeping the magic and making sure the kids don't oh,
0: yeah. see
2: you on break, see you relaxing, see yep. you, uh, you know, without your head on. It's, um, it's quite incredible, which I appreciate.
0: Absolutely. I don't have, you know, there's a lot of people and especially, you know, I have kids and I know different parents. They'll be like, I'm not taking my kids to that commercial bullshit. And it's like, What's, what do you have against kids being happy? I, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like you, the contact high that you get from taking a little kid to Disney World is better than anything you could, yeah. else you could do. It's just amazing. Now, you li- like like most comedy professionals, you were born in Okinawa. Um, <laughs> that is true, correct?
2: This is, this is true. Yeah, Okinawa, yeah. Japan. My dad was in the Air Force, and I was born on an Air Force base. And, yeah, I I wish I was there long enough to actually, like, get memories or to say that I actually lived there. But I was only there yeah. for, like, a few months. I was a baby and then yeah. came to the States. But I do want to go back and see my birthplace.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, was your dad in the Air Forces, like, for his whole career or?
2: Yeah, for his whole yeah. career. We moved around a bunch. Um, we went to Japan. Well, he went other places before I was even born. But I I was in Japan, Kentucky, Texas, Virginia, California. And then my parents split. And then I went to Indiana with my mom. Okay. But, yeah. And he, he's, he like, I actually, I asked him what he did. Because I didn't always know what he did in the Air Force. And I know that he had a thing with cameras for a while. He was in Combat Camera where they, like, take pictures of what's going on overseas. And, like, put it in, like, a magazine or a newsletter or something. And yeah. so he was, like, editing that stuff. And then he t- taught for a while, and, and so later in his career, he was doing more teaching, and he taught at a defense school in Maryland. And now he's teaching. Now he's retired from the Air Force, but he's teaching uh, public speaking at a college. But oh yeah, wow. I think it's I think that's probably why I was like comfortable speaking in front of people because I would watch him teach or or speak in in different forms and be like, yeah. yes, we speak, we we do speeches, we speak out loud to people all the time, and that's natural. Yeah, so it was nice that he was able to fulfill that side of of art- artistry while being in the military. So you didn't –
0: was was stage fright ever an issue for you because of that, or were you always – No, I, I really? can't – Really? Wow.
2: I, can't, I, I mean, I still get jitters, of course, and
1: yeah.
2: uh, nervous about different performances. But, yeah, I, I was, like, singing and, and performing since I was a kid. I remember my mom would say that I would, like – walk up to different tables at restaurants and just start singing a song for them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which, like I, now that, now that I'm an adult, if, if a kid walked up to me and started singing, I'd be like, can you go back to your table? Like what I'm trying to enjoy my dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the kind of thing that like, you know, a kid like it, it, so much. It's like, Oh, that's such a cute thing. A child does. And then, you know, you just put a few years on it and it's mental illness. You know, it,
2: <laughs> it's like, like, now it needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need this. to
0: stop that. Yeah. <laughs> and now what, at what age did you start living in Indiana?
2: I was, I moved there when I was nine or 10. Oh, And okay. I stayed there until I graduated high school. So like my, my middle school, high school years were there.
0: So that's probably better, I would imagine, to stay in one place as opposed to, like, did the moving around when you were younger, did you even really notice it or was it just kind of?
2: I did notice it because I would get attached to a friend and then we'd leave. So, like, I do think that – I think – I've talked to other military kids about this, too. I think it does affect your ability to maintain connections because you're just Mm -hmm. used to leaving. So, you're like, well, why would I invest that much into these relationships here when I know I'm going to leave in a year? Yeah. So, you know – through therapy and time, <laughs> that has <laughs> that has changed, and I'm better at like you know being like you're going to save my life for years now, and I know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, I think I think uh, I definitely noticed it, and and I think I would have preferred to have stayed in a place longer. So yeah, I did like. Yeah. Although when we got to Indiana, though, I was like, oh, this is where we're staying. I can, we can't <laughs> <laughs> go find some other somewhere we were else. In to
0: Okinawa you. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh Indiana, yeah. yeah where where no. in
2: Indiana? I was in Indianapolis, which Indianapolis, is a great place okay. to raise kids.
0: Yeah, no my my uh, my dad still lives in Bloomington. He he. Oh uh, nice. Taught at, at IU, so I'm very familiar with Indiana. I I grew oh, up in yeah. Illinois more, but spent a lot of time in Indiana, so I yeah. you know, I'm familiar. I'm familiar, yeah. especially when you get south of Indianapolis, you might as well be in Kentucky.
2: Truly. It it gets to be Southern quick.
0: Yes, it sure does. And you think like, oh, it's Midwestern. Like, Mm-mm. no, it isn't. It is Mm-mm. not. Yeah. I mean, and we even I even had sort of the benefit of a college town, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and not that not that Illinois was some sort of bastion of, of, you know, liberal thought, but it certainly wasn't Southern Indiana. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. I actually did look at... um After I graduated college, I looked at Chicago as a potential place to move and start my career, and I also went to New York to see as well. And when I went to Chicago, uh, I started improv in college, and there was, like, a rival improv group, and all of their alum went to Chicago, and, like, every theater I went to, they were there. Like, they were working the door at the I.O., they were on stage at Annoyance, and I was like, I can't be here. (laughs) <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's so dumb. It makes, like, when you're an adult, it doesn't matter. No one of cares. Of course what, not. Yeah, yeah. What improv group you did in college. By the time I was like, this is not my city. And so I right, went to right. New York. <laughs> like
0: your rival gangs or something. Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. A freeze tag battle or something. To, <laughs> yeah. Or supremacy. Zip, zip zap,
2: zap me right out of the door. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, even wh- but I can tell you, in, when I was in Chicago, because I did stuff with different groups, which was slightly unusual. There weren't a lot of people that, that dabbled like that. But for me, I I had, I just always had a sense that, that that would be good for me to like, you know, you know, learn from different teachers, basically. It seemed like real simple to me and, you know, and like, because there was the IO, which was pretty, down the middle of, you know, it's I mean, it's improv and everything, but it's still it's like, you know, that was it was kind of just off Second City and Second Mm -hmm. City was the most kind of like, let's make Alderman jokes and Mike Ditka jokes and, you know, like the real kind of meat and potatoes kind of stuff that people would easily get. And I was just a little bit off that. And then the annoyance was like where all the gay drug takers were. You know, like, and so, (laughs) so there was, I would get shit from guys at I.O. Like, what are you doing over there? Like, what are you, why are you over there with all those freaks and weirdos? And I was like, I mean, I didn't say this, but I'm like, look, if you don't think we're freaks and weirdos to begin with, yeah, I mean, true, what we're doing, you know, and also hooray for freaks and weirdos. I was like, Yeah. yeah, you know, they're the best.
2: Yeah. We have a better perspective.
0: Yeah. That there was already that kind of tribalism I guess although that Mm -hmm. seems like way too highfalutin a word for it um so you
2: but it sounds like you were kind did you have any siblings by the way I wonder oh yes yeah I have a little brother he's seven years younger than me
0: does he have a Star Trek name
2: (laughs) he he doesn't um Um, his name's Braxton and my mom told me I don't I mean I don't know if she told her husband this my dad but she said there was a handsome man in college named Braxton, and I oh, thought wow. it was such a strong name. So his name was Braxton. My parents uh, divorced two years after he he was born, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe she, she knew. Was, she was already, yeah, like, yeah, on yeah, the already
0: thinking, did hmm. What did she tell him? It was Tony Braxton? That was, uh, you know. Maybe. Is that her yeah, cover story?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony, my favorite singer, Tony Braxton.
0: Yeah. How about we name him Tony? No, 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 no. No. No,
2: no, no, that, no, no. That's or a accent. weak name, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, in school, were you like, was it kind of we always meant for this for performing and for comedy and
2: if you ask people who I went to school with, no. I I was very shy. I was a shy kid. And I would whisper jokes to my friends. They thought I was funny, but like I don't think the outward people outside of my circle would know like I truly had family members as when I started doing comedy that were like so when did you think you were funny like I never (laughs) never really picked that up yeah 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 (laughs) um but I did love performing I was like I was in show choir I was in orchestra I was what else did I do I was on the debate team for a little bit I was on the spelling team I love being performative I love being outward but in my personal life, I was very reserved and to myself. So, yeah. Don't you think that's a common thing, though? I think so. Yeah, but I think people assume that, like the class clown or the people who are like cracking jokes loudly, are the ones that are going to pursue. And that's also true as well that are going to mm-hmm. pursue comedy later. But uh, yeah, a lot of performers I know are 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 shy in some sort or have yeah. some sort of solitude that they like.
0: Yeah, I still don't fully understand it because I have a bit of it like I'm I would consider myself kind of shy I mean I feel like it's a control thing I think you get to like yeah I want to perform and yeah I want to be looked at but I want to control the
2: oh yeah the situation
0: when it happens you know I agree Um, with that which doesn't always work but so and do you think there was a difference between the girl that was singing at, at uh restaurant tables and the girl that, you know, ended up being shy in high school, was there some mm. – did puberty ruin it for you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, you know, you get you – get, that's an awkward age to be a part of, and people are mean. I had bullies, not, like, terribly, but just girl bullies who do yeah. that psychological shit where they're, like, whispering, you know, you're ugly in your ear yep. as they pass by or leaving notes on your locker and stuff like that. And – Yeah, so I I definitely had self-esteem issues at that time. And uh, even though there was like still that desire to perform and be big, I think I thought, I guess people wouldn't like that or I don't know. I just was insecure about it. So I made myself small. So there definitely was a. A difference, which sucks because, you know, you could see that happen. You see a child, you know, in their pure form and what they want to do. And then life happens where they start listening to other outside factors and that changes who they are for a minute. And then you have to undo all of that as an adult to get back to where you were.
0: Yeah, I have a 15-year-old daughter and that definitely she was a wild child. And then she reached an age where she just didn't want to be looked at by anybody. And yeah. I completely, you know, I understand it's like, okay, you know, and it's, you know, it changes, you know, over time it's, but yeah, there's just like that time where all of a sudden your emotions and your body just start, stop being your own. And you just are like, yeah. ah, don't look at me, you know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, like the transformation from, from Brundle to Brundlefly, fly, like in the middle of like, you know, the, like while you're transforming into a werewolf, yeah. you don't want people looking at you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Now you went to uh, you went to school in Virginia,
2: correct? I went to College in Virginia, yeah, University
0: yeah. of Virginia. And um what made you choose there?
2: My dad lived in Richmond, and I got in, stu- in state tuition. So, oh yeah, there that you was. Go. A, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Was pretty, but also the campus was beautiful, and it was just yeah. a really good school on paper. So I was like, and I also really wanted to get out of Indiana. Yeah. I loved Indiana, but I wanted to see what else. I still had the travel bug. I still was used to leaving a place and exploring, so I, I didn't want to stay there. And yeah, and Virginia was there, and I'm glad I went. It was a really great experience. I still have friends that I made when I was there. I loved it.
0: Did uh, was it for theater? Did you go there for theater specifically, or
2: I I went there just to go there. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I thought I was going to do journalism or communications or something like that. Cause I thought I was going to be a broadcast journalist and I shadowed one from Indiana and, and was like, you just have to wait for the news. Like I just, uh, I didn't, that's, I didn't love that. There was yeah. no, um, not, that, not that there was no, I don't, I've never actually done it. Maybe there is some sort of creative aspect to it, but I was like, I want to create the stuff and yeah. you have to like wait for things to happen and then report it back. And that's kind of it. And I think the thing I was attracted to was being on camera. So I, I went to UVA thinking, oh, maybe I'll try the journalism program. And I got there and there was no journalism program. That's how much, that's how, how little I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, there just, there isn't one. Okay, well, I'll figure it out. And, that's so and hilarious.
0: Like, <laughs> it's like, well, maybe this Chinese restaurant will have pizza. We'll find out <laughs> when, when we get there.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see when I get there. Um, But yeah, I I started doing plays and musicals and the people who were doing those things started auditioning for more plays in the drama program. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's what I want to do. And it just felt very natural and fun. And then eventually I was like, I think I should just change my major to theater. And that's what I did and focused on that. And my mom was like, how are you going to make money? <laughs> what yeah, are you yeah. doing? <laughs> that was but, my next question. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, I think she ultimately she was supportive, but she just was like, what's the plan? Cause there was, it's, there was an example of that in my family where someone has like dedicated their life to art so early like that.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: uh, but I, I believed, <laughs> I was like, I have a dream. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'll figure it out somehow. And, um, yeah. Ultimately, I also just wanted to do something that made me feel good and that was actually fun, and it was.
0: Well, how about your dad? How did your dad feel about it?
2: He, I, th- I think he was. I mean, he's kind of like whatever. I mean, not not whatever, but just like I trust you to take care of you. Um, and I think he's he was like just glad I was calling. Honestly, <laughs> you know, he left when I was nine, and I think he's just like I will support whatever because I'm just happy.
0: That you're here and close. That
2: you're here and you're healthy and close. And yeah, he also, I think he also was like, that makes sense. You were a performative child. So of course you want to do that now.
0: Was it hard for him to stay local when you were younger? I mean, the Air Force was still kind of dictating where he went.
2: We, I, I had to co- go see him. So like during summers and Christmas, uh, me and my brother would go see him in Maryland. And we mm-hmm. like bounce back and forth. But yeah, it, we didn't see him that often. We still he was definitely still in our lives and we try to have phone calls and stuff like that, but yeah, it, it was a stark difference from when he was living in our household and was in the same town.
0: Yeah. Does that make it was he sort of then the one that was more permissive than your mom because she was kind of the the day to day. Yeah. Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, yeah my, yeah, my mom had to be both parents, so of course she's going to have more of a uh, a disciplinary mm. and like, yeah, she's going to be the parent that's like making the hard calls. Yeah,
0: is she and is she still that way? I mean, is it? Do you still feel like you can do stuff that your dad will be fine with and your mom might?
2: I think now my mom's fully on board. Now, I mean, cause yeah, I have a career,
0: right? right <laughs> where right. where I'm yeah, you're money. on fucking
2: TV. What more does she want? Yeah. Jesus, yeah. leave her yes. alone. <laughs> Yeah, she's I mean and she's always been supportive, but I think I think she just was worried. She just wanted to know that I'd be okay and wanted to know I'd be able to to self-sustain. And once she saw that I could, I think she was like, "Okay, I can breathe a little bit." But yeah, I actually now now that I'm an adult fully and we talk to each other as adults, I think both my parents are like, "You got it." Like they're not I'm not they know I'm not looking to them for a yay or nay. They're yeah. just like they trust that I, I, I got it, and that's yeah. how I feel too.
0: Yeah, yeah. About what point did like did your mom sort of calm down about it, do you think?
2: I really think when I got on SNL, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Even though yeah, I was yeah. work, working a little bit before then, I think when I got on SNL, she was like, oh, okay, yes, this is what yeah. this was all for. Great. Yeah, Especially because like the triumphs, I'd be like, now I like get to perform every week on, on the stage at UCB. And she's like, are you getting paid for that? And I'm like, no, but it is. Still good, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I got a, I got a call back for this audition, and that's great. And she's like, "Did you get the part?" No, but yep. you know, progress is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Tito's handmade vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails, but one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's favorite vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly.
3: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. Three great words. Free fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Bada baba Bell one time on Fridays at participating McDonald's through 1231-24. Excludes tax must update rewards.
0: Can't you tell my love's are growing? So was Disney then, that was like a summer job for you? Or did you go down there after you graduated?
2: It was, a, well, it was a Disney college program. So I was there for a semester and a summer. And I thought I would work there after college. Like, I was like, I'm in the family. Like, they know me. And I saw a breakdown for a Tokyo Disney job for like a big band jazz singer, which I've never done. But I was like, I can do that. And yeah, yeah. that was my first New York audition. I was still in college and I took a Chinatown bus to to New Jersey and stayed with my mom's friend and then took the train in to uh to New York City and it was in Ripley Greer Studios where I would end up later in life being there a lot for rehearsals and such but I was there and I I saw all the people like dressed to the nines and I was <laughs> I knew there was a dance component so I I had yoga clothes on cuz I was like well we're dancing so why would I yeah, yeah, have heels, but I didn't know that right. you like dress up for the singing portion and you change for the dancing portion. So I go in there with my yoga pants, <laughs> singing, trying to sing a song. Uh, I walk in, and I'm like Konichiwa, and they're like, Oh my god, we do not. <laughs> You're this 57th person who did that today for this damn Tokyo Disney job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was like a fine audition, I'm sure, but they were just like, Okay, thank you. And then that was it. But I was like sobbing in the streets of Manhattan because I was like, I didn't think of a backup plan. That was going to be my back. <laughs> my, my one plan after college is to go to, to Tokyo and do this job. And yeah. now I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so, yeah. So, so I mean, I'm back in the Disney family. I'm now on an ABC show. But at the time, I was like, how could they do this to me?
0: <laughs> don't yeah, they yeah. know how
2: much I dedicated during a semester and summer of my life? So what did
0: what did you do then after uh after college? Did you head right to New York or
2: No, I went to Maryland for a few months. My stepmom was living there, and I didn't want to live with my mom and I didn't want to live with my dad. And my stepmom and my dad had split by this time. And mm-hmm. I still considered her a third parent. So I was like, Can I stay with you for a bit? And I and she said yes. Yeah. So I did, and it was nice, nice little reset. I worked at Starbucks and did the artist's way and tried to analyze what I wanted to do. And then eventually she was like, Do you want to start paying rent here? And I was like, I'm going to go to New York. <laughs> I am, this is, I've decided this is the time.
0: Yes. Because <laughs> if,
2: if I'm going to start paying rent, I should go to where I want to go. Yeah. So m- moved to New York uh, soon after. And, and yeah, I'm really glad I went when I went because it was like, uh, I was broke as hell, but mm-hmm. I I did lots of different odd jobs to like make ends meet, and it was fun. It was just yeah. a fu- really fun time. I, I'm glad I spent my 20s in New York because that's what you should be doing. That I yeah. don't know if I have the energy for it now. Yeah, but.
0: yeah, no, I I agree. It's a, it's a, it's a hard town to be broken too, unless you're kind of young and don't care. You know, like you can like, yeah sleep on a futon without having your back hurt or whatever, you know?
2: Yeah. I can be, I can live in an apartment where I have no window in my bedroom. I was there for four years, which I still, am like, what? (laughs) I had no window for four years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, my roommates can be mice. That's okay. We'll, we'll all (laughs) figure it out together. Like,
0: (laughs) did you move there solo? Did you know anybody?
2: I knew some people. I had some college friends who moved there before I did. Um, But that's it. And I was just like, but they had real jobs. And I had one comedy friend uh from college who moved there but he also got there before I did and was kind of already in a different lane so I did have to start from scratch a little bit but I I found like a great community in UCB and mm-hmm. I still have best friends that I met when I first got to New York there and yeah it's I'm so, I feel very fortunate that I could find a community where I was like these are like-minded people that I enjoy being around They enjoy having me around, and we can collaborate on things. And it's it was it felt very easy. It didn't feel like a struggle to to find people there.
0: I mean, do you become? Does that open you up, like as opposed to the rest of your, you know, like that shy girl? Does she kind of go away a little bit more because of that? Because you're around like-minded people.
2: Yeah, I think I think maybe finding. Yeah, because they're like-minded. I was like, "Oh, I can recognize this. Like, you are also socially awkward." But yeah. in th- in these environments, you thrive. And that is how I feel as well. And Yeah. And so we can like feed on each other's energy and support each other.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um and and what were some of the odd jobs that you had when you were there? Like, did you did you transfer your Starbucks uh your Starbucks uh, employment?
2: I tried. I really tried because that was like part of the reason you take the job because you should, you can yeah. transfer to other locations. And so I was planning on doing that. And I got to New York and they're like, oh, we're on a hiring freeze for the year. They were like, we just are not hiring anyone in New York because we have too many baristas. Wow. And so that, so another plan. <laughs> I, yeah. And this also, this is the period of my t- life where I was like, I guess I need plan Bs. Like, I just will. <laughs> bank on one plan and be like, oh, that didn't work well. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> so I I saw in like a Newsweek article, Michelle Obama was talking about Public Allies, which is a branch of AmeriCorps, which is like the Peace Corps, but in America. Yeah, It's like a service program. And I was like, that sounds cool. And I looked it up and there were jobs that were in the arts that seemed really cool. So I applied and got it and... I, that was something I did for like almost a year and I was able to get like healthcare. I was able to get food stamps and, and also some money. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough yeah, to sustain yeah. me for a little bit. Um, I wanted to quit so many times because <laughs> I, I worked at, um, a, a community development organization in Bed-Stuy and I had an office that also had no window so that I would leave my house when it was dark and, and, wow. and not see the sunlight, mm-hmm. go to work not have a window leave and it would be dark. Like I would just not (laughs) get (laughs) sunshine for, yeah, not, not getting any sunshine. And the organization, the goals were great, but it was run by the same people who like started in the seventies. And so the concept of like a Facebook page or like, you know, doing, doing outreach online was not really welcomed. So I was kind of discouraged there. And so I wanted to quit and, I'm thankful that I had a I had a team manager from AmeriCorps who pretty much taught me how to quit things. He was like, You can't just leave. You have to like at least talk to the other party and like figure out what's going on. Is there a solution? And I was like, I can't just leave. Like (laughs) why can't I just leave? I don't like it here. I wanna leave. And he's like, No, 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 we have to like figure out what's going on. So we did that and we were like, have meetings, figure out what was, you know, what my issues were and like, if there's a solution and then if my needs weren't met, then we'll address it again. And, mm-hmm. and I still felt like, like my needs weren't met. And I was like, okay, now I really am quitting. And he's like, but you're almost done. And don't you want the stipend at the end like you get a stipend <laughs> at, which I use to help pay off my student loans. And I was like, yeah, I do want that. So I did stay the whole time, but um, I am appreciative for that experience because I do feel like it helped me figure out how to communicate my needs in, in many other situations. Like it's a very transferable skill that I could take to any job or relationship or partnership. And and have you done that with like,
0: with, with like romantic relationships, that same kind of, you know, like.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of concept of like, you know, something's not working. Let's address it before just saying peace out. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying there's, I've never done that in a relationship,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, come, but I mean, but I just come sometimes, you know, it's just like,
2: sometimes you're just like, it's just, I just, it's We not don't working. need to talk. But,
0: yeah. I don't want to talk. Yeah. I just want to yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I just want to go and I yeah. want you to go. But if it's a valuable relationship, even a friendship, um, I, I w- like to be forthcoming with what I think could be worked on and yeah. hope that it's well received. But, I, and I know I appreciate that too. When people communicate what they need from me, as opposed to just leaving or ghosting or whatever, I yeah. think it's. I think it's. Um, yeah, it, 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 that felt like it was helping me be a, an adult, basically, instead yeah. of the kid I was. When you
0: mentioned therapy before, had you been in therapy at this point? Like, had you done any therapy or?
2: Yeah, I did a bit of counseling in college. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know if that was like a real therapist or just like someone training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, us- but, yeah, yeah.
0: it usually is somebody.
2: Yeah, but I went through the student health program graphic, to right? to yeah. get some some counseling. And then when I moved to New York, I think I think in like 2013 or 14 I I got a therapist, which um she was recommended by another comedian and um I did like with anything you do get some something out of the experience, mm-hmm. but, uh, she did end up being pretty bad and unprofessional and manipulative, which really oh, sucks. Wow. Um, yeah. Cause we, I, I was seeing her twice a week, which for me was too much. I didn't do, uh, want to do, She she wants her program that she was doing. She wanted to see you in person individually And then do a group session with other people at Mm -hmm. night. And I said, I can't do the group sessions. I do stand up at night. I just, it it won't work with my, I just don't, I don't want to do it. (laughs) And so uh, she was like, well, then you should see me individually twice a week, which was way too much. Cause then I'm like seeing her Tuesday and then I see her Thursday and I'm like kind of rehashing the same, like nothing has really changed in between. So you got to
0: have a really busy Wednesday to make Thursday pay off. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. So after a while, I was like, this feels like a lot. And I, I kind of want to take it down to once a week. I had friends that are doing once a week, and that's what I would like. And she said no. And and I was like, oh, all right. And my friends were like, no, she shouldn't be saying no to you. You are the client. Like, you can, yeah. you can set the parameters that you want. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's like the, her program that she does. And so I was still seeing her twice a week. And then... I was like, okay, no, I actually really want to do once a week. This seems like too much. I feel like I'm wrecking myself <laughs> in the middle of the week, every week. And uh, and we fought about it. Like, we got in a fight, and I left really upset. And then she texted me and was like, oh, okay, I guess we can try once a week. And I was like, okay. And then she was like, but isn't it good that we got in a fight because you wanted to be more assertive? And I was like, but I don't want to fight with you. I don't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. – that didn't feel like a – like lesson that she was teaching me i just felt like she was fighting me yeah. and it came up again when i wanted to take a break i was gonna be touring uh during the summer and i was like let's take a break because i don't like doing phone sessions i like being in person and seeing the person's face and i felt good at that point so i was like let's take a break for like a couple months and then when i come back we'll like reassess the schedule and she, <laughs> we got in the fight again and i i think maybe she was dealing with some abandonment issues or something. There was like some sort of codependency there that was not healthy. And, uh, and I, and I said that out loud, which really set her up because she was like, I'm not dependent. I don't need you. I have so many clients. And I was like, then why are you upset that I want to take a break? And she, and she was, and oh, the the line she said was like, I don't take breaks. I'm not your boyfriend. And I was like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: I can take a break if I want to. I'm the one paying for this. Right And, and then she like, I was like leaving the room and she goes, fine, go leave. You'll be just like your father, which is nuts. That's when I was like, oh, okay. I feel very validated in this decision yeah, to yeah, leave. Yeah. Like you are crazy and, yeah, and yeah. so unprofessional. How And like, and that, that really like rocked me for years because, and I didn't realize it because I, I trusted this person. Like I put my brain and my emotions in her hands and then. She did that, and so I knew I wanted another therapist. But it took me years to find another therapist because yeah. I was uh, scared, and that yeah. and I knew that that wouldn't happen again, or like I just knew that that was like a very unlikely situation. But I couldn't get yeah. my actions to match what I my brain it. was thinking. Yeah, it's but now I'm with another therapist that I like and trust. And- yeah,
0: it's it's yeah. I've been with the same therapist for oh, I don't even want to say. Uh, you know, 20, at least 25 years. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. And I, and I'm a huge advocate for therapy and talk about it a lot on this podcast and, and elsewhere, but it is, you know, you're expressing one of the things cause it is like, it's not magical. Like you got to get the right person and that's, what's really yeah. hard. And like, like, in, yeah. you know, with my kids, it's, you know, my kids have at different points needed therapy and needed help and, and it's hard because you just don't know. You don't know if you're gonna get, you know, you it's like anything. You hire a mechanic, it might be a shitty mechanic, you know. Yeah. And then you find a good one, you hold on to them, you know, and mm-hmm. and you can have somebody, and I also think it's interesting too, because I mean, and I don't want to get into a whole political <laughs> I mean I'm just using this as like a as like a uh a metaphorical thing, but you know, like there's lots of Like, I think a lot of people are drawn to police work because they're interested in crime. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of like, then you get these corrupt cops because that, but there was something about the whole tension between crime and law that attracts them. And I think there's a lot of crazy people that are drawn to to psychiatry or psychology because they're like, I'm fucking nuts. And this is sort of like, you know, like, this is, (laughs) this is like. You, you know, that's that this person's in the business of, of being nuts or of like curing nuts. And, and yeah. that you get some real maniacs sitting across yeah. the room from you, you know, that are getting paid to supposedly help you with your issues.
2: Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, it's hard to believe like, oh yeah, they're human too. Yeah. They also showed up with whatever litany of issues they already had before I met them. Yeah. And I think sometimes
0: yeah. too, th- then like, you know, if something of your neuroses sort of go along with their neuroses, they're going to give you the bad fix that they did for their neuroses. And it's oh. hard when you're the one that's in there needing help, wanting help to know, like, oh, I'm being led down the wrong path here. Uh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's real. There's, you know, it's like there's needs to be like a consumer advocacy group just for bad therapists, I think.
2: Yeah, that's actually a great idea.
0: <laughs> it's 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 great that it didn't put you off the process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cuz like just that starting that process of rather than just cut your losses and run that you, that this person at your work did, you know, talk about it. Like that's you know, talk about it is is such a gigantic thing that pe- that a lot of people don't want to do and you encounter so many people that don't want to do, th- they're terrified of therapy. And it's like, well, what's so hard about talking? You know, you just, it's just talking. They're just words, you know?
2: Yeah. I think they because they probably just deep down know that they, they have to address something they don't want to address. yeah Like there's yeah. something they subconsciously want to avoid. And if they start talking about it, it might come out. Yeah. Or they'll have to actually deal with it. And it's just easier to push things down and tuck it away, lock it in a closet, not even think about it anymore.
0: Yeah. Until it all comes exploding out like a cartoon cuckoo clock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. I actually,
2: I just started watching The Sopranos. Yeah.
0: Cause,
2: you know, we, we, we What the time. fuck else you going to do? <laughs> um, and I didn't realize, I didn't, one, I didn't realize it was funny. I thought it was going to be like a Godfather kind of show. It's like yeah. a very funny show. It's like and 60% comedy.
0: I yeah bachelor. yeah breaking bad I always felt the same way breaking bad is you know it's it's brian cranston's in that because he's a gifted comedian like mm-hmm. that's why he's so good in that you know
2: yeah you need that you need that duality um but i just love the idea of this mobster going to therapy and like he- feeling <laughs> feeling guilty about some things but completely not about other things and like truly screaming at his therapist every week and then coming back the next week being like, okay, I have more to say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Tito's handmade vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails, but one night a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything. This bottle knew about happy hour from the producers of America's favorite vodka. It turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at Tito'sVodka.com. Forty percent alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly.
3: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places.
0: can you tell my love's a growing? You are a stand up comedian too. When did you start doing stand up? Because, you know, yeah. you were show choir, theater, and then stand up. That doesn't always, you know, like that's not always a natural progression. <laughs> the a natural
2: progression. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I started when I first moved to New York. I kind of started everything at the same time because I yeah. was, uh, I thought I was going to do Broadway sh- shows. I like was auditioning for stuff. I was trying, but like, It was, that's a hard haul to get into theater in New York. I commend anyone who's actually making it and and doing it. Uh, And even even if you're not making it, I commend you for even trying. But like, I just didn't have the stamina to do all these additions every day and like wait outside of a building at 7 a.m. and sit on a wooden bench hoping that they'll see me today. And, but I would keep going to UCB to watch shows. And I was like, oh, this, mm, this feels good. And so I started taking classes and then in my classes, there were some people that were like, oh, I'm trying stand-up, and it terrifies me. And I do have a part of myself that likes doing scary stuff, so I was like, I'll try stand-up too.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and um, it's actually funny. I, I went to a government camp in high school. Wow, that sounds, a- that sounds bad a government camp <laughs> I loved it I loved
0: it it was I know, uh, but it sounds like sounds like you know like a japanese internment oh, camp Oh yes oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, no. no this was a like a learning about I know I know yeah student government camp I know what yes. you mean but it's you know Oh god yeah no no, yeah. no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh part of the it, we had basically a microcosm of the governmental system and and you could run for office so I ran for Lieutenant Governor, and I would have to give speeches to mm-hmm. win people over. And that was my favorite part, is writing these speeches and, and giving them. And I remember I put, like, a joke at the top of one of them. There was, like, a rickety elevator in one of the dorms that we were staying in.
3: Mm-hmm. And I was like,
2: you better vote for me before you die in this elevator in and, and Winkham Hall. And people were like, ah! Like, they, people... Lost their mind. And then yeah, yeah. for the rest of the speech, people were laughing, even though I didn't write any more jokes. But I think maybe my cadence, I don't know. But people thought I was funny. And afterwards, people were like, you should do something where you, like, talk in front of people and, like, make them laugh. <laughs> but, like, no one knew that, like, stand-up was a job. Like, no yeah, one knew to, yeah. think, like, to say that. There's, like, something where you're making – words happen and people are laughing at you you'll figure it out bye <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. but i i didn't know yeah i didn't know that stand up was a thing i could try to do but once i was doing comedy in new york i was like oh yeah there's there are mics everywhere there, i could just go to an open mic and try and i found an open mic i'm pretty sure it was stand up new york and i didn't tell any of my friends that i was doing this i just wrote some jokes went by myself and tried them out and I can't even remember what they were about. I, I, they were just very observational, not personal at all, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but just like, here are things I'm observing in New York. And, uh, and then I sat down next to another woman, and she was like, that was really good. And I was like, thanks, that was my first time. And she was like, I couldn't even tell. And I was like, this is my future.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is where I belong. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and since then I was like, I'm just going to keep hitting this hard and and try to figure out how to make it good. Like I, the stage presence thing wasn't a thing I needed to work on. I feel like there's some people who are like really good at writing immediately and they need to work on like the confidence on stage. Yeah. I've been performing forever. So that right. part I had. And so I needed to learn how to write what was in my brain and form it in ways that will make people understand it and and laugh. Right. And, I, and I loved that. It was like it was fun. It's a fun. Yeah, yeah. It's like a puzzle.
0: It's like a puzzle. Joke writing is like, it's like a word puzzle. Yeah. Now, did you, as you're doing stand-up, you you know, you mentioned the difference between observational and personal. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that you've developed? I mean, of course you have. But I mean, are you able to articulate what kind of your personal point of view of your comedy is? Like, is there, are there subjects that you're drawn to? Are there, you know, are there issues you keep coming back to?
2: My work is very personal now, and I think because it's personal, it does center around being a woman
1: mm-hmm.
2: and being black mm-hmm. <laughs> in America. So I do find my material keep it, it keeps coming back to uh, those topics. Mm-hmm. But and and I got labeled as a political comedian because of it, which is fine. But right. I don't actually talk about politics. I talk, I guess, social politics if we yeah. want.
3: Personal broaden it, but
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it's interesting that, that just like talking about like you know, women's rights <laughs> yeah, know, to, yeah. is, is political, um, or or you know, just things that I've experienced as a black person is is political, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like talking about that stuff because there are people in the audience who maybe. Never talk to somebody mm-hmm. who looks like me or has experienced the things I've experienced or or people who have and want to relate to somebody and want right. to feel a connection with the person who's on stage and yeah I, I I feel very fortunate that I can be in a field where I can truly just be narcissistic as hell, just talk about myself and people like that and yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and want to connect to it, um
0: yeah. Are there, is it sometimes hard to make that funny? You know, is it, Mm. you know, because sometimes it's, uh, uh, that's my, I mean, I'm not a political, I don't do much in the way of political humor because I don't find, I just find some of it so not funny, you know, it's worth talking about and worth thinking about, but it's not like, I'm not going to like go like hardy har, you know. QAnon, yeah. hardy heart, you know, it's, there's just like a lot of scary shit out there, especially now.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's still stuff that I, there's a lot of stuff I haven't talked about because I don't actually find it funny yeah. or I, I don't, I don't know what the funny in it is yet. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I just won't address it. I, I try when I write something, the kernel is usually from like a personal experience or something that confuses me or, angers me or whatever. Um, And then sometimes it it turns into something that is talking about race or what's going on in the news or whatever. Like, I had an experience where I went to a restaurant and I asked the waitress if they had any pineapple there. And she goes, oh, we don't have any pineapple, but we have real apple. And it, like, sent me (laughs) down (laughs) – (laughs) an existential (laughs) crisis. I was like, what? (laughs) Now now I have a million, a million questions. Absolutely. (laughs) And, and so then I started researching, why is pineapple called pineapple? Is it even related to apples? And then, and now I have this like 15 minute joke that like, turn into a, you know story and historical references about colonialism. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I bet you there's something colonial in there. Yeah. Absolutely. But it started with a real life experience where I was confused by this woman who thought apples and pineapples were related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and I think, you know, anyone else could probably take that kernel of an experience in, into a different direction. But I think because of my brain works the way it does i want to like find the history and find the backstory of something and right. and see how it connects to t- today because that's fun for me right but yeah it's, a, it's it is like a puzzle
0: not to make you do your act but i'm just curious why is it called pineapple i know i could google it well, after we're done but i you know you're right here yeah. you might
2: as well tell me it's christopher columbus oh really he fa- he found a freaking pineapple in south america and he just pretty much jumbled the words that he knew like, Oh, it's spiky, like a pine tree and it's sweet, like an apple. Yeah.
0: Like a pine pineapple. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's like pine trees weren't there. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So like only, so it only made sense to people like in North America, but like you just like truly took someone else's fruit and renamed it. And then like, I go on a whole thing of like, I'm tired of us having to call things the wrong thing because some settler was too lazy to figure out the actual name for the thing. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's yeah. just because some, some European found it and, and pineapples were like, um, a status thing yeah. in Europe. Yeah. Like you, you were so rich that you had resources in your backyard to grow yeah. pineapples or you owned a plantation in South America right. and, and people could ship you yeah. pineapples. So if you even had them, uh, it was like, oh, she's <laughs> wealthy.
0: Yeah, there's a thing in the in the movie The Favorite where I think yes. Emma Stone's character is like, I'm eating something called a, call a pineapple. Yeah, yeah, and
2: yeah. I bet
0: that. Yeah, I bet that was like. It's like the
2: new iPhone. Yeah, like, oh, the, this new fruit just dropped. Right.
0: Okay. Well, I know growing up in Illinois, getting a pineapple uh, instead, you know, that wasn't in a can seemed magical. <laughs> so I can only imagine what it was like in- you know, 1700s England to get a pineapple. Mm -hmm. They also were, you know, they're like a design characteristic that was meant to, I just know this because I'm queenie, uh, that were meant to be like uh, hospitality. You know, like you'll see at the the tops of like sort of colonial architecture doors, like there's like a carved pineapple and it was meant to be like, oh, this place is classy. (laughs) <laughs> they
2: got those, yeah,
0: they got those fake apples <laughs> <laughs> now you got a you got a new show. Tell us about it.
2: yes, I'm on home economics on a b c and uh it's a it's a family comedy. It's a sitcom about three families with one in one larger family, and each family has a varying degree of economic status. There's like a very rich uh 1% brother there's a middle class writer brother and then there's a starving artist uh sister and i am married to the broke sister mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're in the in the broke family um but it's nice it's it's a fun way to talk about money and relationships because there are definitely shows that showcase different families in different economic levels but yeah to show the comparison uh, i think is a really interesting way to talk about this because yeah i mean i I think a lot of people can relate like just you know going to restaurants with their family or going to uh, vacations or whatever you know there's money's gonna come up and it's not always it's not fun or sexy to talk about and so i think um i think this is a, a cool way to do that and and show the love that can still thrive when people have varying degrees of of money
0: now it's is it a single camera? No, it doesn't have a studio. A single office. camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you been shooting through the pandemic? Where it, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We shot the pilot last fall, um, in like September. Oh, so or October. this all
0: this all started. This started got this during- job mid pandemic. <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow. Well, I actually got the job pre pandemic. We were supposed to shoot last March, and then, oh, I of see. course, everything got shut down, yeah. and so, so yeah, ABC is kind of like sitting on it or like you know like we're hoping that we can shoot this one day and then in the fall they're like okay i think we can make it safe enough that we can shoot and then we shot the pilot found out we were getting picked up for seven episodes like shortly after and then we started shooting in we we just finished actually (laughs) we kind of just finished like a few few weeks ago um yeah we did seven episodes they edited it while we were shooting it and it's airing now. <laughs> now wow, now. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And people are saying really nice things about it. And I hope people like it enough and want to see more of us and hope we get a second season. We'll see. Yeah. And I think we'll know pretty soon, actually. I think we'll know in like May or something. But yeah, watch it on ABC and then watch it on Hulu because it goes to Hulu right after. Well, now, what do you,
0: what, what's, uh, what's your dream come true? If You're going to aim high. What, mm-hmm. do you, what is it? And it doesn't have to be a work thing too. It could be, you know. Ooh. It could be.
2: Hmm.
0: It could we mentioned before the uh, the show that you, you know, you might want to live on a farm someday with lots of animals. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I do. I actually um I watched uh Eartha Kitt documentary recently. Mhm. Uh, I think I think it was all by myself the Eartha Kitt story and she she's kind of secluded in this very like green oasis of her home and you know she she hangs out with her daughter but like she was mostly alone and she just like went to the city like teach dance whenever she wanted she performed whenever she wanted she would do charity events and stuff but and this was like i don't know how old she was exactly but this was like in the 80s i guess um but yeah she was older and later in her career but she just seemed really content (laughs) And I was like, yeah. I want that. <laughs> I want. I want to just like frolic to my garden whenever I want. Like give people spinach and apples if if I have extra, and like work whenever I feel like it. Do things I enjoy. Be around people that make me happy. And yeah, that's the goal. I want to. I want to work really hard as as long as I can. But I also want to like sit down <laughs> eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and enjoy the space that I'm in, and enjoy yeah. this life that I've created.
0: Is that solitude important to you? That 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 same one that she had or
2: I think so, yeah. I do really yeah. like myself. I mean, it doesn't mean I don't want people around me in my life. I, I but my circle is small and I do like having people I trust come into it and keeping the bullshit out.
0: That's good, yeah. That's nice. Uh uh yeah. That's a good a good uh a good aim, I think, is a green pl- a green place to hide out. That's a that's a <laughs> that's a good way to yeah. to look at it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I get you know the the final of the three questions is what have you learned? And I mean, is there I don't know. You probably get. I mean, I think everybody that gets to be paid to be a performer gets that. What advice do you have? You know, and I I, mm-hmm. I hate I have to ask this over and over, so I don't. I keep trying to rephrase it, but it is kind of the same thing. Like
2: yeah. Well, I kind of have an answer for both those things. Um, All right. I guess if if I did give advice and also what I've learned is that I keep getting rewarded for the work that I put out there. So, like, the work that I do and the the ways I put my voice out in front of an audience, that's when I get the next job. Or that's when I get the next opportunity as opposed to, like, I don't know. I, I, I like not having to wait. (laughs) <laughs> for yeah. for work if i if work's not here i can create something i mean yeah. ideally like i ideally i can create something and someone will pay me for it but right you know no one's gonna stop me from writing no one's gonna yeah. stop me from trying to get on stage no one's gonna i there's no barrier to those types of things no one's gonna stop me from making a video etc um so it's when in those moments when i do create something that that's when someone's like oh yes we She she does this kind of thing. Great, we'll put her over here. Or like, you know, it's easier for people to see what what I can do and what what I where they can fit me in because I'm literally telling them. (laughs) I'm literally showing you this is my voice. So and that's and that is also the advice I give to people too, is like write your own stuff.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Active versus passive, I think is Yeah. Is a good way to put it. And I oh I I also want to make sure because well first of all thank you so much for doing this uh, I appreciate yes, you taking the me. time and uh, but I also want to make sure to uh, plug the podcast that you and Nicole Byer do together which is yeah so great and so fun and it really is like it's so nice to hear it's uh, I forget the name it's best friends best friends right um, I don't have any so I don't it's a phrase that <laughs> slips my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's so, it, what's so great about it is it's just two people that genuinely love each other, enjoying each other's yeah. company. You know, that's really, yeah. it's really a lot of fun. And, um, and it's always fun to hear. I've, I've listened a few times and it's fun to hear you guys discover things about each other that you don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. We've known each other for like 12 years. She's one of the friends I made at UCB and first yeah. people I met in New York and, um, uh, yeah. We keep discovering new things. It's yeah, really yeah. funny, but yeah, it's just like easy to talk to her. And I, I feel it's another job that I'm thankful I had throughout the pandemic where it's yeah. like, I enjoy doing this and people enjoy consuming yeah. it. And thank God for that. Yeah. Um,
0: Somebody to talk to. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. I get to talk to her every week. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. We have a reason Yeah. Uh, to see each other, but yeah, I love it. And I, and I love, uh, highlighting friendships like you know there's so many things to talk about romantic relationships or being a parent or you know your family but like friendship is also a huge part of people people's lives ideally or the lack of friendship is also a huge part of people's lives and um yeah i I like that we get to share hours and people get to feel like they're a part of it listen to it yeah best friends yeah
0: tune in um i mean listen to this podcast a little (laughs) bit more (laughs) (laughs) That
2: <laughs> one. Listen to them concurrently.
0: <laughs> but, uh, Sashir Zameda, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us and for answering uh, this, you know, my, my interrogation. Yes. And, um, and we will be back next week with more of the three questions. Thank you for listening.
1: Bye. I've got a big, big love.
0: The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blayert, and executive producers Adam Sachs
2: and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review the Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts.
3: Can't you tell my love's are
1: growing? Can't- this has been. A Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.